This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, business storytellers. Looks like we are live on all the different channels, Twitter, Periscope, LinkedIn and YouTube, if you are watching or listening rather on the podcast channels, make sure you connect with me um, on Twitter, periscope.tv forward slash C-Trap and the next time you can tune in um, on the live stream. Today, we want to talk about how do we decide to be big enough? How do we keep life saner, healthier, something we certainly need uh, in this crazy, crazy year of 2020. Is it done yet? Um, not yet, but hopefully we're getting there and hopefully things will change um, when we get there. So today's guest, I asked Lee Lefevre to come on the show and he actually um, wrote the book, Big Enough. We're going to uh, put up the URL here for you watching on the live stream and uh, there's also um, an Amazon link in the show notes, so feel free to click on that. Um, but basically, how do we, what's big enough? First of all, that's going to be one of my first questions. And um, why, uh, how do we do it? How do we stay sane? How do we get off the wheel, the hamster wheel? And certainly in content, my friends, you guys know this, we can do one more article today. We can optimize one more website today. We can record one more podcast today. I mean, there's always one more. You could literally, 24 hours are not enough. So let's get him out of the green room here. Lee, how is it going today? Thanks for joining me. Big enough. What's big enough? Is there such a thing? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up, Christoph. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, you know, Big Enough is a book that's based on really the last decade or so of, of my business life. And, and that's also something I share with my wife. We are a, a team. And it really is um, the book itself is, is sort of a story. It's told from a sort of narrative point of view that goes through um, a lot of challenges that we had in um, you know, having some amazing opportunities come our way and then trying to understand how those opportunities might impact our lives if they actually worked, if those opportunities um, you know, worked and became successful. Uh, you know, we were concerned that it might change some things about our lives that we wouldn't want. And uh, what we realized early on was that we wanted to actually do something unconventional. And that was to use those opportunities not to get as big as possible or maybe even as rich as possible, but find ways to design the business that made things other than money the priority. Um, and, I, you know, I love money. I want more money. I want a big bank account. But I think that uh, there's other things to life. And I think that it's possible for a business to actually contribute things to your life aside from just what comes from having more money. And uh, that's really the big message of Big Enough is I, I, I want it to help people redefine what success means to them. And, um, you know, money is important, but I think also things like time and independence and community and things like that are also really important. And I think that business has a role to play in promoting those things for people who start businesses. Absolutely. And what's interesting, too, there are different things when it comes to business. I mean, I even tell people I enjoy the journey as well, right? Because digital marketing, mm -hmm. especially, there's so many new things. 
I mean, just think about what we just did. I mean, 10 years ago, I would have been flustered over here, right? Oh, my goodness. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's un- mm-hmm. what are we going to do? Uh, you know, it didn't work for three minutes. Unbelievable. It's not as polished as it should be or could be or whatever. But yeah. um, but it's like the journey on how to get there, the journey on learning. I mean, I was talking to my wife actually the other day and I said, you know, I really would like to work with this company. And she says, oh, how come? I said, well, first of all, it, it is a really good company. And second of all, I think I would also learn a lot from that team. I would enjoy the journey, mm. so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah. So that's also very important to me. But But how do you... So how do companies get there? Because I'll be honestly, I'm talking to a lot of companies and all they talk about is how do we make more money right now? How do we do this now? How do we get more money in the door today? Well, you know, I think that that is required for a lot of companies. I mean, a lot of companies, especially big companies, have a duty to uh, make decisions that benefit their shareholders. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's completely valid. Um, I think that my message is not that there's that that all companies should be thinking from the big enough perspective. That's that's kind of ridiculous. I think that there is a kind of entrepreneur out there and oftentimes they're small to medium businesses, maybe sole practitioners, sole, sole uh, proprietors um, who are looking for a different perspective that that is not so focused on that. So I don't try to apply this idea to, to big business um, so much. Um, I think it's for people who are seeing that. They have a they have a, a great idea or a business that's working for them, and saying that and, and maybe asking the question you know, is growth in the business is bringing more money and more customers in the door all day every day going to accomplish um, you know my my goals overall not just financially but overall, um, and so I, you know I think that as long to me big enough in whatever company it is really comes down to values and shared values. So if you're a single, a single sole practitioner or a member of a smaller team or a smaller company, as long as everyone is shares the same values in terms of, of what matters to them in their lives, then I think the big enough idea can be applied in the form of something like, you know, having constraints in the business. That's something that I can talk more about in terms of my company. Uh, but adding constraints means that maybe you uh, do a four-hour work week or you handle vacation time differently or you uh, make allowances for for family leave time and there's there's things that just contribute to to things to life overall that i think uh come with trade-offs and that that is part of big enough is you can't have it all uh you got to be willing to trade maybe a bit of future income or future money for another kind of value you can get right now so really what you're talking about here is, I mean, for example, I talked to um, a digital marketer the other day and sole practitioner practice, and she said, here's what I do, and, and very structured, quite frankly. Like, this, these are the packages I sell. And I said, oh, how about this and this and this? And, and I think her response was, oh, yeah, I do some one-offs. In my mind, didn't really sound like a one-off, but in her mind, these are the things she sells, right? And that's kind of how, mm-hmm. how she does it. And then she's made the comment, she goes, I'm not intending to run a huge agency. I'm this is I'm trying to do this this thing, right? So mm-hmm. in her mind, mm-hmm. um, that might be, you know, she's not intending on scaling it or whatever, and sometimes that's okay, right? In some instances. I, I think that I, I believe it is okay. I think that there is magic in that. I think that it's a entrepreneurial imperative 
kind of thing, like this thing that's never questioned about why would you start a business if you don't intend to grow and to get as rich as possible? And I think that uh, that's just assumed, you know, it's something that people don't ever see that there might be a choice. And, and that is part of my message is showing that not only that is it a choice, but I've spent the last decade trying multiple business models to, to, to try to get there. And I think that we, we, I wrote big enough because we had accomplished a lot of our goals and I, and our, you know, being small, this is not our story is not the kind of story you're going to read in the newspaper or in fast company. You know, we're not this big meteoric startup, but I think our story actually applies to a lot more people because it's more humble and because, because it has different kinds of values. And I, I did hear there's a, there is a lot of small businesses out there. I mean, I don't remember the number, but maybe the majority of businesses are small businesses, I guess, just by the mm -hmm. pure number. Yep. Um, so Common Craft, what's, that's your, you're the co-founder of that company. What's, what, what does the company do? Yeah. So look, I, I think that I can kind of tie some of these ideas together if I give you a little bit of history. So, um, you know, back in around 1999 or 2000, I was an online community manager at a company. I was really early in online communities and just loved the idea. And, uh, that eventually became social media and I, uh, started Common Craft in 2003 as a consulting company, and I was helping organizations uh, manage online communities of customers. And again, super passionate about social media. Um, did that for a few years, and then YouTube started to take off, and social media started to be a bigger and bigger deal. And uh, my wife joined the company, and we started making these animated videos that uh, were unique at the time. Uh, that were used paper cutouts on a whiteboard to explain social media in a, a brand we called In Plain English. And um, we made those videos without having any experience in video production or education. But, you know, we put the first video on YouTube in April of 2007, and it was a viral hit. Um, it, you know, has been viewed millions and millions of times. And uh, we, the second video was called Wikis in Plain English, and it had a similar reception. And at that point, we became known as the pioneers of the explainer video movement. And it was something that, uh, you know, was, was new or people deemed to be new at the time. And it completely changed our lives. Uh, you know, within a couple of months, we were working with Google on a video called Google Docs in Plain English that you can find on YouTube. Um, over the intervening years, you know, we worked with, you know, Lego, Lego, Intel, Microsoft, Ford, like, you know, lots of lots of big companies to explain their products. And that's been sort of a, a big part of Common Craft is being hired to make custom videos in our style with the goal to explain. That's always our thing is, is explanation. And um, what happened in terms of Common Craft in Big Enough was that uh, we were very fortunate to have a lot of demand. We were sort of the first mover in our space. And we took a step back and said, you know, we have a lot of opportunity here. You know, what are, what are our real choices? Like, what could we do with this? And um, one thing that was happening in the background was um, those videos like RSS and Wikis in Plain English were our videos. We didn't, nobody paid us to make those. Those were our copyright. And we started to offer digital downloads on commoncraft.com and sold those videos to educators who use them in, in classrooms and presentations and things like that. So we had this choice between two business models. Um, one was uh, you know, e quicker, easier money, which is being hired to make videos. Another one was a long bet of licensing our videos and doing digital downloads. And so our big enough story is in part about choosing to leave short-term money on the table in the form of being hired 
and focusing on this long bet of licensing, which scales and produces passive income. And it opens up a whole lot of possibilities for us, but it took a lot of time and, and, it, and it created a big valley in our income. And we, something we pushed through for years. Um, but that was um, a decision we made and something that happened because of constraints that we put on the business to make it happen. And um, that's part of the story that I think that people identify with is finding something that they can do that, that scales. It doesn't mean they have to keep going with, uh, you know, client services relationships. Very interesting. Of course, how to videos. I mean, that's like the bread and butter of today's content marketer. I mean, I'm, I'm literally working on an article right now, how to evaluate your Amazon star ratings, which is very interesting in my opinion on how that works across countries, because I'm like, hey, how come mm -hmm. my book has different ratings in different countries? And really quickly, we'll do an article on authenticstorytelling.net. But basically what happens is it only takes the verified purchases across globally, but then it takes um, any per, any review for the country the reviewer is in. So whether they bought it on Amazon mm -hmm. or from me or whatever, but very interesting because what happens is some countries, the score is a lot higher than other countries because you know mm. there's um, certain people and um but of course today um you know every everybody creates that content but how do you how do you make those decisions how how do i decide i mean it's i can see the hamster wheel i mean first of all chasing the dollar chasing the next project could we use one more project sure could we do one more mm -hmm. thing you i mean the answer always could be yes right but it's also very stressful and especially um, those of you listening that are former journalists can probably relate to that. For us former journalists, you know, it used to be, oh, we want to do something, do it right now, right? Like the, when is the next deadline? Oh, you already missed mm -hmm. it, especially in digital. Um, so how mm -hmm. do you figure out when to have that deliberate moment? I don't want to, I hate the term slow down because people always think mm -hmm. that means we're not doing anything. But, uh, but yeah, slow down or if you have a better term, throw it at us. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a hard decision. It's not something that applies evenly to everyone. I think it, it does come down to um, a person or business by business basis. Um, I, I do think that it's important to understand that the big enough perspective um, does assume um, some stability and financial responsibility that's happening in your life. I don't I don't recommend this perspective for people who are, are struggling to put food on the table. I think that once you have your needs met and that maybe if you're if you have a family that you, um, you know, uh, have done what you need to do in terms of your retirement or inheritance or whatever it is that, that you want to do with your family, those things are obviously very important. But, uh, you know, one of the things I talk about in the book is uh, there's science on happiness and science on satisfaction. And I think that uh, it's sometimes assumed that um, you know, that your happiness is related to your business success in terms of dollars and cents and the bigger bank account, more happiness, more things you can buy, more problems you can address. And there is some truth to that up to a level, but the science shows that uh, there's diminishing returns on happiness as, as the bank account number goes up. And I think that a healthier perspective might be to see that, that once you've reached a point where you um, are able to live the life that you want, that maybe there's other things that you can optimize for in your business uh, that maybe in our case, our, one of our big things was time, like having control of our time. I, I say in the book that time is the new wealth. I think that, uh, that people will make decisions based on what's going to give them more time in the future, uh, more so than money in some cases. 
Um, and the problem, of course, is that time slips through your hands every day. You can't, you can't bank it. You can't pile it up and spend it later. So you have to change your lifestyle to have a different perspective on time. And that sometimes means making, having a business that has constraints. I'm currently accepting requests for future virtual and on-site keynotes and workshops. In 2020 alone, I've spoken in Singapore and Istanbul, virtually of course, thanks COVID. I can't wait to get back on the road. And if we still can't get on the road in 2021, I would be happy to speak at your event virtually. Please reach out to me, ctrap at gmail.com or authenticstorytelling.net. Um, okay, so, good. so the, the, I think it was Warren Buffett, actually, they asked him, why do you want to be rich? And he said, because um, I want to control what I'm doing and, that, and rich people can, they can control their time. Um, that doesn't mean you have to be rich like him necessarily, but it's true, right? If you have control over your time. Um, the other thing that, that comes to my mind when we talk about time, we're so connected now, right? I mean, I literally can sit on my couch at night and never stop working. And, and for real, shout out to all the teachers out there in this crazy 2020 right now. Um, my wife is a teacher and I mean, she works every night sitting on the couch, you know, preparing lesson plans mm -hmm. for people virtual, in school, hybrid, whatever. There's like eight mm -hmm. versions of how they're now teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, but there is something to that as well, right? We need to figure out where is that divide? When do we step away from all the digital communications, maybe we don't respond to emails at eight at night or, or mm -hmm. I mean, that kind of fits into, into that concept as well, I assume. Yeah, it does. It's something I struggle with, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, especially in 2020 when there's so much news, like there's so, the world is both terrible and fascinating at the same time in a lot of ways. And I can't help but be a, be a part of that. But um, I do try to take digital breaks uh, from time to time um, it's one of those things that, I, you know, I think I'm, like you probably, I've been using Twitter for years and it's hard to imagine not doing it. And I recently moved it off of my home screen on my phone, which is one of the big, one of the steps. And it really has uh, prevented me from clicking on that little icon or tapping that icon <laughs> more. Um, I feel like I could be more productive, but it's a, uh, I keep thinking like, okay, 2021 will be when I try to uh, get un get control. Maybe things will be less eventful and I will <laughs> have more control. But it comes down to, again, like a person by person basis. I don't really have any big enough rules in terms of uh, in terms of digital addiction. <laughs> what uh, how do we decide what's big enough, though? Right. I mean, so. So, for example, I mean, it's all relative, right? I need this much money. Yeah. This is like the bare minimum of what I need with a family. Mm -hmm. And of course, even that's debatable. Right. Like, I mean, I. I mean, couples probably have those discussions all the time. Hey, why do we need that? Oh, because we need it. Well, not really, but, you know, one person yeah. thinks we yeah. need it. And, of course, that changes. I mean, today, think about the stuff I need. I know some of those are work expenses, right? But I need tripods. I need monitors. I need an iPad. I need all those things to just do the bare minimum. Um, how, do we, how do we determine what's big enough for us and what's the right, the right fit, the right mix, I guess? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think a lot about values. And I know that, that term can be kind of squishy. But I think that people who are attracted to business pursuits who do entrepreneurial things, um, you know, it's really easy. And, and I've, it's definitely happened in my life where I realized that I'm kind of outsourcing my values to 
what I see on TV or in magazines or newspapers about successful entrepreneurs and thinking that that's, that's what I value too. I, I, you know, I'm not doing it right unless I'm doing it like them. And um, I think that what we realized was that through, through a lot of discussions, I mean, you know, we're, a, we're a, a husband and wife team who works from home. So um, one of the things we realized was that if we made, if we were careless about the decisions we made with Common Craft and the opportunities that we had early on, that the business could actually start to become a problem for our relationship. And then if we had problems in the relationship, we probably couldn't be very good partners in the business. And then what's it all for at that point? And so we realized that we valued um, making a profit, serving customers, being good business people, but we also valued our relationship and our happiness and our sustainability. And being really in touch with those values and how they relate to your life uh, can be a way to think about business strategy. And, and one of the ways that we do that, and I talk about this in the book, is asking this question, what if it works? Right. Like, so we had this idea. There's a new product line. There's a new market we want to pursue. There's things we could do. What if it works? Like, what does that look like in a year or five years? Does it go down a path that's going to require you to do things that you might not do otherwise? And, uh, you know, that's a hard thing for businesses to see an opportunity and to take, take a step back and say, I don't want to do that. I don't think that that's the right thing, um, even if it makes more money. And uh, I think that if you ask that question, what if it works, you can start to so you can start to see like what opportunities really fit with the values that you think are most important. And, and that's the reason that we uh, slow we pulled back on doing a lot of our custom video work, because um, if it worked, if we kept doing custom videos, then we would be creating a studio and having to hire people and we would become managers and we probably make more money. But it just wasn't the kind of business we wanted to run. And so, of course, Common Craft has been around for about almost 18 years here. Um, yeah. How, you know, at what point do you know that, like, at what point is the sweet spot where you figure out this is how we want to grow or this is what we want to do? I mean, um, do you know that from day one or five years in you go, hey, this is where we should go or, or what's, what time yeah. did you have? We, we knew pretty early the the um, the videos really took off in 2007. And by the end of 2008, we had come to an agreement on a set of constraints that would be our guide. And the biggest of which was we were not gonna have employees. It didn't matter what opportunities came our way, we were never going to hire. Hmm. And so that's a big one, <laughs> obviously. We also wanted to continue to work from home. We didn't want to have an office um, and we would not have investors. And you know, it's not really the kind of company that, that has investors anyway, but, um, and we would take, we would focus on the long term. We wouldn't worry about the short term so much. And so once those constraints were in place, then, you know, I think constraints have a way of liberating you um, because the constraints can do a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of filtering through ideas and, and looking at opportunities differently. It's true with our videos too. Common Craft videos are very known for their simplicity. We don't use music, for instance, and that's a constraint. Common Craft videos will never have music. And you know what? That means I don't ever have to think about music. It's just not a part of that. I'm not a part of what we do. And, and again, constraints can liberate in that way. So uh, once we started thinking from, from this perspective of not having employees and, and if a business idea works and we have to have employees, then maybe we should do something else. Um, so that, that was a big part of it. So interesting constraints too, especially when you say we're, we're never gonna have employees. So does that mean if you can't do it yourself, you either learn it or you won't do it, I guess? 
Yeah, pretty much. You know, we um, are big believer. Independence is another important thing for us. And we saw an opportunity to be our own little media company that we could we could from start to finish do everything. We can make the videos, we can distribute them, we can market them, we can manage customers, we can support customers. Like we can do it all as two people and not have to answer to anyone. And that was the dream really was that, yes, we don't want employees, but it's not some like big reason that we don't like people or we don't want to manage people. It's that we want independence. And we had this dream that we could run a business that answered to no one. And I think, you know, it's 12 years since we instituted those constraints and we're still living within them. We still have never had employees always work from home. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really kind of, to me, there's a, an entrepreneurial spirit to that, that other people see, um, and, and big enough is really us trying to tell our story in a way that shows that this is possible. Like you can, you know, you, you can be your own little media company and that wasn't possible years ago. It's, it's all about using technology to be able to, to have a business that <clears throat> your parents or grandparents may have never thought was possible. Certainly things have changed. And the one thing I want to show you guys quickly here, of course, even what we're doing today, we're live streaming directly with Switcher Studio. Dot com. Use Trap One for your first month off. But basically, I got my own little production studio right here on the iPad. Yeah. That's why you see my finger every once in a while when I go too far over, <laughs> right? Because I'm, I'm switching things on the screen. Um, but when I first started in video production, you know, or even audio production, I mean, we had a studio. We were pushing a cart around. We were, I mean, it was yeah. so much different. And today, technology allows us to do this um, all in one place, or not even one place, but two places, right? Because you are, yeah. where are you, um, Was Washington off, State? Yeah, yeah, I'm off the, off the northwest coast of Washington State. Fantastic. Well, it's kind of funny, though, is I have a, um, a fiber connection here, which is kind right. of, people don't expect that, but uh, internet connections are really good here. Fantastic. Well, same here, but we had terrible internet connection a few months ago with the Iowa oh, yeah. inland hurricane, the uh, Derecho coming through. What oh, a yeah. mess. What a mess that oh, was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but when you don't want employees, does that mean, like, how about, I mean, do you ever like outsource things or is it truly, it's oh, everything yeah. in house? Uh, well, no, we're not programmers, so we, yep. we do work with a company who does our web development, for instance. Um, we have a few contractors that help with content on our videos that uh, help us produce like lesson plans for the videos and things like that. But the core of the business is, is all us. Yeah. Um, we've always made, made the videos and, and produced them and distributed them. You know, one of, the, one of the things that I think might be relevant in, in this discussion, too, is that one of the things that we decided early on was uh, despite YouTube being our biggest source of attention and traffic early on, um, it was somebody else's property. And you know we're independent and we decided to make commoncraft.com the home of our work. And that meant that we stopped sharing our videos on YouTube. Oh. Even though there were uh, you know, getting millions of views, um, we were concerned with platform risk that we didn't wanna build our empire on somebody else's land because they can change the rules. They can change the algorithms. And we wanted to be in control. So that's something that I often talk to people about when they're starting to build their brand is to find ways to, yes, you need to use services like you're using a service here, but you're also building a brand that is your own property too. And um, I think that it's important to have that going so that you can reduce the platform risk that comes with, with you know using someone else's system. 
So you said though that that you totally came off of YouTube and, and your videos are now only on your website? Well, we stopped publishing our uh, educational videos there. We, we, we publish one every once in a while, but it's ma mainly the videos that are promotional now. Like they promote Common Craft versus being what we license because okay. our, our business is based on licensing. Today, Common Craft is a membership service. So members become, our people, educators mainly become members of Common Craft to access our library of videos mm -hmm. that is our original work. Um, so if we're putting those same videos on YouTube, then that's like competition. <laughs> so, uh, we stopped using YouTube for our, our videos. And that meant that we were giving up the potential to, for Common Craft to be based on ad revenue, you know, from people watching videos early mm -hmm. on, we didn't have that choice because the YouTube system wasn't working that way. But, um, that was another business model that could have worked for us was continuing to use, use YouTube and earn money from ads. And we didn't wanna be in that business either. We believe that, that licensing our original content was, was the best for us. Yeah, and the ad revenue is pretty minimal anyways. I mean, even I, I was looking at, at somebody's channel the other day and they have 100,000 of views and I mean, made like 2,500 bucks in ad revenue or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's not mm -hmm. that much anyways. But I, I, I'm a, I appreciate that you clarified that because I think digital marketers and marketing people in general, it's so easy for us to hear one thing and then apply it to something else. And I, I almost, I wanna say sometimes people misquote each other. And what Lee is not saying is that you shouldn't use YouTube, but what he's saying is if, if your business model is to license your content, probably shouldn't put that content on YouTube um, in that capacity, <laughs> yeah. right? But in my yeah, not case, the same content. Yeah. not the same content, but in what we're doing here, you know, we're live streaming everywhere. We're putting it on 20 podcast channels mm -hmm. and we're not stopping it. But, but the purpose of this podcast and the live stream is very different. We're not licensing it, right? There's not yeah. direct revenue to the podcast, even though there is revenue that comes out of it. Uh, you know, when you click the link, when you, you mm -hmm. hire me and, and all those different things. Uh, yeah. To lead it, wrap things up maybe here. I mean, COVID 2020, what a nightmare it has been. And I, you know, last year I traveled 150,000 miles, uh, mostly on American Airlines, but you know, 200 days away from home roughly. Uh, so I didn't see my family quite that often or quite quite as much as I did this year. And this year, you know, both of the girls are at home um, currently because they're quarantining, uh, not positive or anything like that, but due, due to exposure. Um, and I, I haven't seen them this much, you know, in a long time mm -hmm. in, in one mm -hmm. stretch. How is it working with spouses? Like how... Uh, I mean, right now, I think everybody's like, well, how could you, you know, we don't want to, now we have to be together in our house for um, who knows how much longer, phase one, two, and three here of COVID. Uh, what tips yeah. do you have working with your spouse? How how does that work? Or is it just yeah. because you guys it's are a, special? <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, you know, we've, we've been together working from home since 2007. So, we have worked through a lot of a lot of those uh, those issues. I think that you know, like every couple, we are uh, we have our own perspectives and our own things about it. One of the things about us is we're very different people. We have different perspectives and different ideas about things. And I think a lot of relationships comes comes come down to how you make decisions. Like how do how do you get through uh, figuring out that path forward? And um, you know, something I write about in the book, which was very personal, is, you know, Sachi, my wife, told me one time that she says, we can disagree, we can debate, we can, you know, we can have fights, whatever it is. But what really, really gets to me is when I feel dismissed. Mm 
And, you know, I think that that goes both ways. But I think that um, I was doing that in our relationship and I didn't even realize it until she mentioned it. And I started to notice that I might even like she might have an idea. But in the back of my mind, I was still undercutting it somehow. And, and the problem there, there's a lot of problems there. But one is that Sachi has really good ideas and they really deserve a hearing. And uh, it took me a while, but I started to realize what I was sort of subconsciously doing and, and I worked on it. Like, I think that we both have agreed to have uh, very critical conversations with each other about one another to say, mm -hmm. here's how you could have handled that better. Here's, you know, here's the impression you made at dinner last night. Here's, you know, something that's bothering me. And, you know, it's just a lot of times just honesty. I, I think it's hard, but uh, being, being honest with, with one another really helps us get through, I think. And of course, those are things people, even communicators, marketers, we can all apply. Don't dismiss each other. Uh, we talked about that plenty of times. Some people have to say the crappy idea before they get to the good one and they need your help to talk it through. So um, that's another reason why that's important. Um, of course, you can connect with Lee on Twitter, Lee Lefevre, uh, right there. Um, it's on the screen. It's also in the, should be in the show notes. Um, bigenough.life is where you can check out the book. And of course, there's an Amazon link in the um, notes as well. Lee, great to have you on the show. Thanks for sharing your insights. Um, hopefully people will take it to heart and uh, try to stay sane and healthy. Thanks so much for having me, Christoph. You bet. Really appreciate it. Thanks everyone for watching and listening. Until next time. Reach out now and drop us a message at ctrap at gmail.com.